We're coming to the end of our story tonight, and we would love to know what you would like to hear next. Head to our website, sleepybookshelf.com, and submit your vote. Good evening, and welcome to the Sleepy Bookshelf, where we put down our worries from the day and pick up a good book. I'm your host, Elizabeth. Thank you so much for joining me this evening, because tonight we'll be completing the great big treasury of Beatrix Potter. And what a delight it has been to bring you these charming stories. Before we begin, let's take some time here to relax. Have a nice, big stretch. And give your body that permission to release any tension you're still holding from today. Breathe in through your nose and fill your tummy with a nice, big breath. Now sigh it all out. You have nothing left to do today but get a good night's sleep, and what a wonderful thought that is. In our last episode, we heard the tale of Mr. Todd, a mean fox who had lots of houses he frequented in the woods. But while he was in one house, his other home was usually occupied, uninvited, by disagreeable old Tommy Brock, the badger. Benjamin Bunny's father, Mr. Bouncer was at home looking after the baby bunnies when Tommy Brock trudged around the corner and stopped to say hello. They talked a while and Mr. Bouncer invited him in for a cigar. When poor Mr. Bouncer woke up, Tommy Brock was gone and so were the baby bunnies. Flopsy and Benjamin were frantic when they came home, and Benjamin ran out in the hopes of catching Tommy Brock before any harm came to his children. He found Peter, and they tracked the badger to Mr. Todd's house on Bull Banks. Peeping in, they found Tommy asleep and realized the bunnies were in a cupboard near the oven. They spent all night digging a burrow under the house when in the morning, Mr. Todd, the fox, arrived angrier than ever. When he saw Tommy Brock asleep in his bed, he quietly rigged up a bucket of water to hang over the bed with a rope leading outside in order to startle the badger awake. But Tommy Brock had subtly woken up and seen everything Mr. Todd had done. So, 
when the fox went to release the bucket, Tommy Brock had already got out of bed, ready to start breakfast. When Mr. Todd reappeared, confused as to why Tommy was not wet, a great fight ensued and spilled out all the way down Bull Banks. Meanwhile, Peter and Benjamin saw their chance to run in and rescue the bunnies from the oven cupboard. They ran home as quickly as they could. The bunnies were fed and cuddled. Mr. Bouncer was eventually forgiven, and no bunnies were eaten that day. Tonight, we begin with the tale of Pigling Bland. So, lie back and relax as I turn to the very last pages of the great big treasury of Beatrix Potter. The Tale of Pigling Bland For Cicely and Charlie A Tale of the Christmas Pig Once upon a time, there was an old pig called Aunt Pettitoes. She had eight of a family. Four little girl pigs called Crosspatch, Suck Suck, Yok Yok and Spot, and four little boy pigs called Alexander, Pigling Blam, Chin Chin, and Stumpy. Stumpy had an accident to his tail. The eight little pigs had very fine appetites. Yes, 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 they eat and enjoy. Indeed, they do eat, said Aunt Pettitoes, looking at her family with pride. Suddenly, there were fearful squeals. Alexander had squeezed inside the hoops of the pig trough and stuck. Aunt Pettitoes and I dragged him out by the hind legs. Chin-Chin was already in disgrace. It was washing day, and he had eaten a piece of soap, and presently, in a basket of clean clothes, we found another dirty little pig. Tut, 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 whichever this is, grunted Aunt Pettitoes. Now all the pig family are pink, all pink with black spots, but this pig child was black all over. When it had been popped into a tub, it proved to be Yok Yok. I went into the garden. There I found Crosspatch and Suck Suck rooting up carrots. I led them out by the ears. Crosspatch tried to bite me. Aunt Pettitoes, Aunt Pettitoes, you are a worthy person. 
but your family is not well brought up. Every one of them has been in mischief except Spot and Pigling Bland. Oh, yes, yes, sighed Aunt Pettitoes. And they drink bucketfuls of milk. I shall have to get another cow. Good little Spot shall stay at home to do the housework, but the others must go. Four little boy pigs and four little girl pigs too many altogether. Yes, 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 said Aunt Pettitoes. There will be more to eat without them. So, Chin Chin and Suck Suck went away in a wheelbarrow, and Stumpy, Yok Yok, and Crosspatch rode away in a cart, and the other two little boy pigs. Pigling Bland and Alexander went to market. We brushed their coats, we curled their tails, and washed their little faces and wished them goodbye in the yard. Aunt Pettitoes wiped her eyes with a large pocket handkerchief. Then she wiped Pigling Bland's nose and shed tears. Then she wiped Alexander's nose and shed tears. Then she passed the handkerchief to Spot. Aunt Pettitoes sighed and grunted and addressed those little pigs as follows. Now, Pigling Bland, son Pigling Bland, you must go to market. Take your brother Alexander by the hand, mind your Sunday clothes, and remember to blow your nose. Aunt Pettitoes passed round the handkerchief again. Beware of traps, hen roosts, bacon and eggs. Always walk upon your hind legs. Pigling Bland, who was a sedate little pig, looked solemnly at his mother. A tear trickled down his cheek. Aunt Pettitoes turned to the other. Now, son Alexander, take the hand. Wee, 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 giggled Alexander. Take the hand of your brother Pickling Bland. You must go to market. Mind, wee, 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 interrupted Alexander again. Oh, you put me out, said Aunt Pettitoes. Observe signposts and mileposts. Do not gobble herring bones. And remember, said I impressively, if you once cross the county boundary, you cannot come back. Alexander, you're not attending. Here are two licenses permitting two pigs to go to market in Lancashire. Attend, Alexander. I have had no end of trouble in getting these papers from the policeman. Pigling Bland listened gravely. Alexander was hopelessly volatile. I pinned the papers for safety inside their waistcoat pockets. Aunt Pettitoes gave to each a little bundle 
and eight conversation peppermints with appropriate moral sentiments in screws of paper. Then they started. Pigling Bland and Alexander trotted along steadily for a mile. At least, Pigling Bland did. Alexander made the road half as long again by skipping from side to side. He danced about and pinched his brother, singing, This pig went to market, this pig stayed at home, this pig had a bit of meat, Let's see what they have given us for dinner, Pigling. Pigling Bland and Alexander sat down and untied their bundles. Alexander gobbled up his dinner in no time. He had already eaten all his own peppermints. Give me one of yours, please, Pigling. But I wish to preserve them for emergencies said Pigling Bland doubtfully. Alexander went into squeals of laughter. Then he pricked Pigling with the pin that had fastened his paper bag. And when Pigling slapped him, he dropped the pin and tried to take Pigling's pin. And the papers got mixed up. Pigling Bland reproved Alexander but presently they made it up again and trotted away together, singing. Tom, Tom, the piper's son, stole a pig and away he ran. But all the tune that he could play was over the hills and far away. What's that, young sirs? Stole a pig? Where are your licenses? said the policeman. They had nearly run against him round a corner. Pigling Bland pulled out his paper. Alexander, after fumbling, handed over something scrumply. To two half-ounce conversation sweeties three farthings. What's this? This ain't a license. Alexander's nose lengthened visibly. He had lost it. I had one. Indeed I had, Mr. Policeman. It's not likely they sent you starting off without. I'm passing the farm. You may walk with me. Can I come back too? Inquired Pigling Bland. I see no reason, young sir. Your paper is all right. Pigling Bland did not like going on alone, and it was beginning to rain. But it is unwise to argue with the police. He gave his brother a peppermint and watched him out of sight. To conclude the adventures of Alexander, the policeman sauntered up to the house about tea time, followed by a damp subdued little pig. I disposed of Alexander in the neighborhood. He did fairly well when he had settled down. Pigling Bland went on alone, dejectedly, 
he came to crossroads and a signpost to Market Town, five miles. Over the hills, four miles. To Pettitoe's farm, three miles. Pigling Bland was shocked. There was little hope of sleeping in Market Town, and tomorrow was the hiring fair. It was deplorable to think how much time had been wasted by the frivolity of Alexander. He glanced wistfully along the road toward the hills, and then set off walking obediently the other way, buttoning up his coat against the rain. He had never wanted to go, and the idea of standing all by himself in a crowded market to be stared at, pushed, and hired by some big, strange farmer was very disagreeable. I wish I could have a little garden and grow potatoes, said Pigling Bland. He put his cold hand in his pocket and felt his paper. He put his other hand in his other pocket and felt another paper. Alexander's. Pigling squealed, then ran back frantically, hoping to overtake Alexander and the policeman. He took a wrong turn, several wrong turns, and was quite lost. It grew dark. The wind whistled. The trees creaked and groaned. Pigling Bland became frightened and said, Wee, 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 I can't find my way home. After an hour's wandering, he got out of the wood. The moon shone through the clouds, and Pigling Bland saw a country that was new to him. The road crossed a moor. Below was a wide valley with a river twinkling in the moonlight, and beyond, in misty distance, lay the hills. He saw a small wooden hut, made his way to it, and crept inside. I'm afraid it is a hen house. But what can I do? said Pigling Bland, wet and cold and quite tired out. Bacon and eggs, bacon and eggs, clucked a hen on a perch. Trap, 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 cackle, 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 scolded the disturbed cockerel. To market, to market, jiggity jig clucked a broody white hen roosting next to him. Pigling Bland, much alarmed, determined to leave at daybreak. In the meantime, he and the hens fell asleep. 
In less than an hour, they were all awakened. Fiona, Mr. Peter Thomas Piperson, came with a lantern and a hamper to catch six fowls to take to market in the morning. He grabbed the white hen roosting next to the cock. Then his eye fell upon Pigling Bland, squeezed up in a corner. He made a singular remark. Hello, here's another seized Pigling by the scruff of the neck and dropped him into the hamper. Then he dropped in five more dirty, kicking, cackling hens upon the top of Pigling Bland. The hamper containing six fowls and a young pig was no light weight. It was taken downhill unsteadily with jerks. Pigling, although nearly scratched to pieces, contrived to hide the papers and peppermints inside his clothes. At last, the hamper was bumped down upon a kitchen floor. The lid was opened and Pigling was lifted out. He looked up, blinking, and saw an offensively ugly elderly man grinning from ear to ear. This one's come of himself, whatever, said Mr. Piperson, turning Pigling's pockets inside out. He pushed the hamper into a corner, threw a sack over it to keep the hens quiet, put a pot on the fire and unlaced his boots. Pigling Bland drew forward a copy stool and sat on the edge of it, shyly warming his hands. Mr. Piperson pulled off a boot and threw it against the wainscot at the further end of the kitchen. There was a smothered noise. Quiet, said Mr. Piperson. Pigling Bland warmed his hands and eyed him. Mr. Piperson pulled off the other boot and flung it after the first. There was then again a curious noise. Be quiet, will you? said Mr. Piperson. Pigling Bland sat on the very edge of the copy stool. Mr. Piperson fetched meal from a chest and made porridge. It seemed to Pigling that something at the further end of the kitchen was taking a suppressed interest in the cooking, but he was too hungry to be troubled by noises. Mr. Piperson poured out three platefuls for himself for Pigling and a third after glaring at Pigling he put away with much scuffling and looked up Pigling Bland ate his supper discreetly 
After supper, Mr. Piperson consulted an almanac and felt Pigling's ribs. It was too late in the season for curing bacon, and he grudged his meal. Besides, the hens had seen this pig. He looked at the small remains of a side of bacon, and then looked undecidedly at Pigling. You may sleep on the rook, said Mr. Peter Thomas Piperson. Pigling Bland slept like a top. In the morning, Mr. Piperson made more porridge. The weather was warmer. He looked how much meal was left in the chest and seemed dissatisfied. You'll likely be moving on again, he said to Pigling Bland. Before Pigling could reply, a neighbor who was giving Mr. Piperson and their hands a lift whistled from the gate. Mr. Piperson hurried out with the hamper, enjoining Pigling to shut the door behind him and not meddle with naught or I'll come back and skin you, said Mr. Piperson. Crossed Pigling's mind that if he had asked for a lift too, he might still have been in time for market. But he distrusted Peter Thomas. After finishing breakfast at his leisure, Pigling had a look round the cottage. Everything was locked up. He found some potato peelings in a bucket in the back kitchen. Pigling ate the peel and washed up the porridge plates in the bucket. He sang while he worked. Tom with his pipe made such a noise. He called up all the girls and boys, and they all ran to hear him play over the hills and far away. Suddenly, a little smothered voice chimed in. Over the hills and a great way off, the wind shall blow my top knot off. Pigling Bland put down a plate which he was wiping and listened. After a long pause, Pigling went on tiptoe and peeped round the door into the front kitchen. There was nobody there. After another pause, Pigling approached the door of the locked cupboard and snuffed at the keyhole. It was quite quiet. After another long pause, Pigling pushed a peppermint under the door. It was sucked in immediately. In the course of the day, Pigling pushed in all his remaining six peppermints. When Mr. Piperson returned, he found Pigling sitting before the fire. He had brushed up the hearth and put on the pot to boil. The meal was not get-attable. Mr. Piperson was very affable. He slapped Pigling on the back, made lots of porridge, 
and forgot to lock the meal chest. He did lock the cupboard door, but without properly shutting it. He went to bed early and told Pickling upon no account to disturb him the next day before twelve o'clock. Pickling Bland sat by the fire, eating his supper. All at once at his elbow, a little voice spoke. My name is Pickwick. Make me more porridge, please. Pickling Bland jumped and looked round. A perfectly lovely little black Berkshire pig stood smiling beside him. She had twinkly little screwed up eyes, a double chin, and a short turned up nose. She pointed at Pigling's plate. He hastily gave it to her and fled to the meal chest. How did you come here? asked Pigling bland. Stolen replied Pigwig with her mouth full. Pigling helped himself to meal without scruple. What for? Bacon, hams, replied Pigwig cheerfully. Why on earth don't you run away? exclaimed the horrified Pigling. I shall, after supper, said Pigwig decidedly. Pigling Bland made more porridge and watched her shyly. She finished a second plate, got up and looked about her as though she were going to start. You can't go in the dark, said Pigling Bland. Pigwig looked anxious. Do you know your way by daylight? I know we can see this little white house from the hills across the river. Which way are you going, Mr. Pig? To market. I have two pig papers. I might take you to the bridge if you have no objection, said Pigling, much confused and sitting on the edge of his copy stool. Pigwig's gratitude was such and she asked so many questions that it became embarrassing to Pigling Bland. He was obliged to shut his eyes and pretend to sleep. She became quiet, and there was a smell of peppermint. I thought you had eaten them, said Pigling, waking suddenly. Only the corners, replied Pigwig studying the sentiments with much interest by the firelight. I wish you wouldn't. He might smell them through the ceiling, said the alarmed Pigling. Pigwig put back the sticky peppermints into her pocket. Sing something, she demanded. I'm sorry, I have toothache said Pigling, much dismayed. Then I will sing, replied Pigwig. You will not mind if I say itty tiddity. I have forgotten some of the words. 
Pigling Bland made no objection. He sat with his eyes half shut and watched her. She wagged her head and rocked about, clapping time and singing in a sweet little grunty voice. A funny old mother pig lived in a sty, and three little piggies had she. Tee, iditi, iditi, umph, umph, umph. And the little pig said, wee, wee, wee. She sang successfully through three or four verses, only at every verse, her head nodded a little lower, and her little twinkly eyes closed up. Those three little piggies grew peaky and lean, and lean they might very well be. For somehow, they couldn't say oomph, 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 and they wouldn't say wee, wee, wee. For somehow, they couldn't say... Pigwig's head bobbed lower and lower until she rolled over into a little round ball, fast asleep on the hearth rug. Pigling Bland on tiptoe covered her up with an antimacassar. He was afraid to go to sleep himself. For the rest of the night, he sat listening to the chirping of the crickets and to the snores of Mr. Piperson overhead. Early in the morning, between dark and daylight, Pigling tied up his little bundle and woke up Pigwig. She was excited and half frightened. But it's dark. How can we find our way? The cock has crowed. We must start before the hens come out. They might shout to Mr. Piperson. Pigwig sat down again and commenced to cry. Oh, come away, Pigwig. We can see when we get used to it. Come, I can hear them clucking. Pigling had never said this to a hen in his life, being peaceable. Also, he remembered the hamper. He opened the house door quietly and shut it after them. There was no garden. The neighborhood of Mr. Piperson's was all scratched up by fowls. They slipped away, hand in hand, across an untidy field to the road. Tom, Tom, the piper's son, stole a pig and away he ran. But all the tune that he could play was over the hills and far away. Come, Pigwig, we must get to the bridge before the folks are stirring. Why do you want to go to market, Pigling? inquired Pigwig. The sun rose while they were crossing the moor dazzle of light over the tops of the hills. The sunshine crept down the slopes into the peaceful green valleys where little white cottages nestled in gardens and orchards 
that's Westmoreland, said Pigwig. She dropped Pigling's hand and commenced to dance, singing presently. I don't want, I want to grow potatoes. Have a peppermint, said Pigwig. Pigling Bland refused quite crossly. Does your poor toothy hurt? inquired Pigwig. Pigling Bland grunted. Pigwig ate the peppermint herself and followed the opposite side of the road. Pigwig, keep under the wall. There's a man ploughing. Pigwig crossed over. They hurried downhill towards the county boundary. Suddenly, Pigling stopped. He heard wheels. Slowly jogging up the road below them came a tradesman's cart. The reins flapped on the horse's back. The grocer was reading a newspaper. Take that peppermint out your mouth, Pigwig. We may have to run. Don't say a word. Leave it to me. And in sight of the bridge, said poor Pigling, nearly crying, he began to walk, frightfully lame, holding Pigwig's arm. The grocer, intent upon his newspaper, might have passed them if his horse had not shied and snorted. He pulled the cart crossways and held down his whip. Hello, where are you going to? Pigling Bland stared at him vacantly. Can you hear me? Are you going to market? Pigling nodded slowly. I thought as much. It was yesterday. Show me a license. Pigling stared at the off-hind shoe of the grocer's horse, which had picked up a stone. The grocer flicked his whip. Papers. Pig license. Pigling fumbled in all his pockets and handed up the papers. The grocer read them, but still seemed dissatisfied. This here pig's a young lady. Is her name Alexander? Pigwig opened her mouth and shut it again. Pigling coughed asthmatically. The grocer ran his finger down the advertisement column of his newspaper. Lost, stolen, or strayed. Ten shillings reward. He looked suspiciously at Pigwig. Then he stood up in the trap and whistled for the ploughman. You wait here while I drive on and speak to him, said the grocer, gathering up the reins. He knew that pigs are slippery, but surely such a very lame pig could never run. Not yet, Pigwig. He will look back. The grocer did so. He saw the two pigs stop still in the middle of the road. Then he looked over at the horse. It was lame also, 
the stone took some time to knock out after he got to the plowman. Now, Pickwick, now, said Pickling Bland. Never did any pigs run as these pigs ran. They raced and squealed and pelted down the long white hill towards the bridge. Little fat pigwig's petticoats fluttered and her feet went pitter-patter-pitter as she bounded and jumped. They ran and they ran and they ran down the hill and across a shortcut on level green turf at the bottom between pebble beds and rushes. They came to the river, they came to the bridge, they crossed it hand in hand, then over the hills and far away she danced with pickling bland. Ginger and Pickles Dedicated with very kind regard to old Mr. John Taylor who thinks he might pass as a dormouse three years in bed and never a grumble. Once upon a time there was a village shop. The name over the window was Ginger and Pickles. It was a little small shop, just the right size for dolls. Lucinda and Jane's doll cook always bought their groceries at Ginger and Pickles. The counter inside was a convenient height for rabbits. Ginger and Pickles sold red spotty pocket handkerchiefs at a penny three farthings. They also sold sugar and snuff and galoshes. In fact, although it was such a small shop, it sold nearly everything, except a few things that you would want in a hurry, like bootlaces, hairpins, and mutton chops. Ginger and Pickles were the people who kept the shop. Ginger was a yellow tomcat, and Pickles was a terrier. The rabbits were always a little bit afraid of Pickles. The shop was also patronised by mice, only the mice were rather afraid of Ginger. Ginger usually requested pickles to serve them because he said it made his mouth water. I cannot bear, said he, to see them going out at the door carrying their little parcels. I have the same feeling about rats, replied pickles, but it would never do to eat our customers. They would leave us and go to Tabitha Twitchit's. On the contrary, it would go nowhere, replied Ginger gloomily. Tabitha Twitchett kept the only other shop in the village. She did not give credit. But there is no money in what is called the till 
Ginger and Pickles gave unlimited credit. Now the meaning of credit is this. When a customer buys a bar of soap, instead of the customer pulling out a purse and paying for it, she says she will pay for it another time. And Pickles makes a low bow and says, With pleasure, madam. And it is written down in a book. The customers come again and again and buy quantities in spite of being afraid of ginger and pickles. The customers came in crowds every day and bought quantities, especially the toffee customers. There was always no money. They never paid for as much as a pennyworth of peppermint. But the sales were enormous, ten times as large as Tabitha Twitchett's. As there was always no money, Ginger and Pickles were obliged to eat their own goods. Pickles ate biscuits, and Ginger ate a dried haddock. They ate them by candlelight after the shop was closed. This is very uncomfortable. I'm afraid I shall be summoned. I've tried in vain to get a license upon credit at the post office, said Pickles. The place is full of policemen. I met one as I was coming home. Let us send in the bill again to Samuel Whiskers, Ginger. He owes twenty-two shillings and ninepence for bacon. I do not believe that he intends to pay at all, replied Ginger. When it came to January the 1st, there was still no money, and Pickles was unable to buy a dog license. It's very unpleasant. I'm afraid of the police, said Pickles. It's your own fault for being a terrier. I do not require a license. Neither does Kep, the collie dog. And I feel sure that Anna Maria pockets things. Where are all the cream crackers? You have eaten them yourself, replied Ginger. Ginger and Pickles retired into the back parlour. They did accounts. They added up sums and sums and sums. Samuel Whiskers has run up a bill as long as his tail. He has had an ounce and three quarters of snuff since October. What is seven pounds of butter at one shilling and threepence, and a stick of sealing wax, and four matches? send in all the bills again to everybody with compliments replied Ginger after a time they heard a noise in the shop as if something had been pushed in at the door they came out of the back parlour there was an envelope lying on the counter and a policeman writing in a notebook Pickles nearly had a fit. He barked and he barked 
and made little rushes. Bite him, Pickles, bite him, spluttered Ginger behind a sugar barrel. He's only a doll. The policeman went on writing in his notebook. Twice he put his pencil in his mouth, and once he dipped it in the treacle. Pickles barked till he was hoarse, but still the policeman took no notice. He had bead eyes, and his helmet was sewed on with stitches. At length, on his last little rush, Pickles found that the shop was empty. The policeman had disappeared, but the envelope remained. Do you think that he has gone to fetch a real-life policeman? I'm afraid it is a summons, said Pickles. No, replied Ginger, who had opened the envelope. It is the rates and taxes. Three pounds, nineteen shillings, eleven and three quarters pence. This is the last straw, said Pickles. Let us close the shop. They put up the shutters and left. They have not removed from the neighborhood. In fact, some people wish they had gone further. Ginger is living in the Warren. Do not know what occupation he pursues. He looks stout and comfortable. Pickles is at present a gamekeeper. After a time, Mr. John Dormouse and his daughter began to sell peppermints and candles. But they did not keep self-fitting sixes, and it takes five mice to carry one seven-inch candle. The closing of the shop caused great inconvenience. Tabitha Twitchit immediately raised the price of everything a half penny, and she continued to refuse to give credit. Of course, there are the tradesmen's carts, the butcher, the fishman, and Timothy Baker. But a person cannot live on seed wigs and sponge cakes and butter buns not even when the sponge cake is as good as Timothy's. And Miss Dormouse refused to take back the ends when they were brought back to her with complaints. And when Mr. John Dormouse was complained to, he stayed in bed and would say nothing but very snug, which is not the way to carry on a retail business. Besides, The candles which they sell behave very strangely in warm weather. So everybody was pleased when Sally Hennypenny sent out a printed poster to say that she was going to reopen the shop. Henny's opening sale. Grand cooperative jumble. Penny's penny prices. Come buy. Come try. Come buy. The poster really was most enticing. 
there was a rush upon the opening day. The shop was crammed with customers, and there were crowds of mice upon the biscuit canisters. Sally Hennypenny gets rather flustered when she tries to count out change, and she insists on being paid in cash. She's quite harmless. And she has laid in a remarkable assortment of bargains. There is something to please everybody. The end. Thank you.